Hey, Playmakers, did you know that I've been a Facebook and Instagram ads expert for longer than I've been teaching indoor playground owners and that I've created a -a one-of-a-kind program to share all the ad secrets I help my one-on-one clients implement with you for a fraction of the price of hiring an expert? And this is the only training out there made specifically for play-based business, whether you have a physical location or not. So if you want my eight-step proven blueprint for setting up high converting ads once that will send a constant flow of new leads into your business with just a few dollars per day, I linked the information in the show notes for you. So in my book, More Birthdays with Ads course, you will get all the tutorials, training, and know-how you need to never need to pay a third-party ads manager or outsource this task, which can save you thousands of dollars per month in addition to increasing your revenue with all these new leads and bookings. I also give you all the tools and templates needed to delegate this to your internal team once you're ready. So this is really a no-brainer. So to learn more about my Book More Birthdays with Ads course so you can start spending less on ads while getting more bookings and sales, head to the show notes. I'll see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, first of all, thank you so much for being here. If you're listening to this episode as it gets released, and if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I'm just getting back from a trip to Nashville, Tennessee, and I was doing some really cool and exciting things there for this business. So if you've been emailing me or messaging me in the last two days, just know I'm going to get back to you as soon as possible. But if you're not following me on Instagram yet, My profile is linked in the show notes. I share tons more tips and tricks there. And I also share a lot of fun behind the scenes stuff about this business. So again, follow along there. And I always accept Instagram DMs if you have questions or just want to connect. So again, my profile is in the show notes. And I also just wanted to quickly remind you that if you like this show and you find it valuable, the best way that you can show support is to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. It helps me connect with other playmakers and help grow this industry. All right, so without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So as you likely know, especially if you're already open, running an indoor playground business can be a really fun and rewarding experience, but it's definitely not without its challenges especially when a customer expresses interest in opening a similar business in the area. And if you're getting a pit in your stomach right now because you hate this topic or this has happened to you, just I want to start this off by saying you are not alone. And I think you're going to leave this episode feeling really light and feeling like a weight is lifted off your shoulders. So Again, I promise you this is going to take a positive spin on it. And I talked about this a bit in my YouTube video recently, and I was so shocked because I got so many comments, both in Playmaker Society and on YouTube, letting me know that, 
hey, I'm not the only one who feels this way. So I wanted to elaborate on that conversation a bit and give you some additional tips since this topic really seemed to resonate with you. So if you already listened to that YouTube video, this is going to be a completely different conversation. So I'm going to kind of recap what I said in that video, and then I'm going to give you some practical, actionable tips to kind of move past that way of thinking. Now, it's natural to feel concerned when one of your customers or someone local to you all of a sudden becomes a potential competitor, but it's important to remember that a copycat business does not spell the end for your own facility. One of my absolute favorite quotes or mantras is, good for them does not mean bad for you. So even if that person does open up and find success, that does not mean it will detract from your success. And even if someone beats you to the punch and opens up their facility before yours, like for example, if you're in the planning stages right now and someone opens up with a very similar concept, the same applies. So if you are in the planning stages and are worried about this, don't be. In fact, I have another YouTube video about why it's actually the most difficult for the first play cafe in an area to thrive and why it can take the longest for them compared to their future competition. So I'm going to link that one in the show notes as well, if that's a topic that you'd like to explore. And this is something that's been heavy on my heart lately, because I think this is very unique to the play and party business, especially indoor play and play cafes. And truthfully, I didn't have this res- this uh, revelation until years after selling my business and gaining some experience in other industries. So if you don't already know, before I decided to open my indoor playground, I tried my hand at many business endeavors. And just to name a few, I started a wedding coordinating business. I also worked with my husband reselling wholesale items on Amazon. I did social media marketing and Facebook ad management for all types of clients across industries. And I noticed that there is this one unfortunate reality that is very specific to the indoor play industry. Something that, like I said, not many other entrepreneurs or business owners have to deal with. And that's that it seems like everyone, or at least a large number of people that comes through our doors, thinks that they can do what we do And many assume that they can do it better. And I don't know if it's because we make it look fun or easy or because it seems like a business they can involve their kids in, but I can't tell you how many people came up to me in person or sent me a message on social media asking for help opening in my same town. And while I love being very open and generous with information, it can be hard to hear that every day and feel like, Every customer is actually a potential future competitor. And it's not like these same people are walking into a carpet store or other local businesses and doing that same thing. For some reason, everyone assumes that owning a play cafe is easy and 100% fun 100% of the time. And if you watched my video about how hard it is to bring your kiddos to work in reality, you'll know why I'm literally rolling my eyes as I say this right now. 
And even if we as owners are doing great and feeling really secure with our businesses, hearing this constantly can really start to weigh on you. And honestly, it makes owning this type of business really hard. Imposter syndrome can creep in. You might start to make decisions out of fear and overall just not want to be in your space as much. And I'm I when I was doing my YouTube video, I gave another Taylor Swift quote from Out of the Woods. And that quote was, the monsters turned out to be just trees, which is still totally applicable in this situation. But another Taylor Swift quote, and again, if you don't know this about me, I'm the biggest Taylor Swift fan ever, but another Taylor Swift quote that applies to this situation is from Sweet Nothing from her most recent album. And she says, you know, I'm just too soft for all of it. And that's so often how I feel about owning a physical brick and mortar business, because you're not just exposing yourself to all of this feedback online and in mom's groups and on forums and on Instagram and Facebook, you're also exposing yourself to it in person. So if you're physically in your space a lot, you can't just shut it off, right? You can't just put your hand up and say, you know what? I don't receive that. Or I mean, maybe you should. Maybe that's a boundary that we should normalize. And when I was in this position, it felt like I was constantly looking over my shoulder, waiting for that next play cafe to launch their GoFundMe or post a poll in our local moms group. I hated even scrolling on Facebook because it felt like it was just lurking around every corner. And it caused me to really operate from a place of scarcity and fear. And it really contributed to the amount of burnout that I ended up feeling. But I'm here to tell you as someone who lived through multiple copycat businesses opening up around me, all of which were led by my former best customers, that it's going to be okay. Even though a few did reach their opening day, again, their success in reality did not detract from mine. We found ways to collaborate for the most part, not in every situation. And my business still stayed booked out enough to eventually open a second location. And those that ended up opening probably accounted for less than 1% of the number of people who at one time expressed interest. So of all the people who came up to me or messaged me on Facebook or Instagram and said, hey, I'm thinking about doing something similar or, you know, I was planning on opening this already and you beat me to it, but, you know, I'm still going to do this. So of the dozens of and dozens of times per week, I would get asked for advice or again, would see people putting feelers out on social media. It was really that small of a fraction that actually came to fruition, like literally 1%. If you're already open, or even if you're in the planning phase, you know how much it takes to get to opening day. So I want you to keep those odds in mind next time you're in that situation. But in addition to that, I want to give you some practical tips on how to ensure that you remain secure in your business and protect your mental energy as an owner. So many business podcasts just talk about sales, revenue, cost savings, and that stuff, but protecting your energy and your spirit is just as important. All right, so number one, remain calm. First and foremost, it's essential to remain calm and level-headed. Reacting emotionally or saying something sassy could potentially damage your business reputation and may even encourage your competitor 
to move forward with their plans because they may feel slighted or vengeful. So take some time to process your feelings and then approach the situation with a clear mind. And if someone approaches you in person, just say, you know what, I, you know, I'm going to give you my email address so we can talk about this more. And that puts a little buffer between the situation and how you choose to respond. And remember, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, but you have every right to feel proud of your business and you don't have to necessarily help everybody that comes your way just because you feel like it's it's flattering. So just keep that in mind. I give you permission to not help your future competition if you don't want to or if it doesn't feel aligned with your values. All right, tip number two, look at the facts. So the next step is to assess the situation objectively. So start by examining the competition in your area and try to identify what sets your business apart from others. So what unique features or services do you offer that they probably won't? What do your customers love about your indoor playground and its setup and your specific structures? By understanding your strengths, you can start to devise a strategy for how to handle a copycat business. And remember that while competition can be fierce, there's always room for improvement and innovation. And competition is often the catalyst for innovation. So keep that in mind. It's not all negative. All right, tip number three, look at the numbers. And this is the most important one. So if you're distracted or multitasking, come back to me and pay attention here. So if you've taken my Book More Birthdays Challenge, you already know how many birthday parties you need to book per year exactly in order to reach your financial goals. And you've likely repeated the same exercise for your services, including memberships, open play passes, all that good stuff. And by the way, if you have not taken that challenge, you can binge the replay right now. It's my favorite challenge ever. The link is in the show notes. But real quick, if you haven't taken the challenge yet, just to simplify it, let's say you need to make $20,000 per month in revenue in order to be profitable. And again, we're not going to get into profit margin calculations here, so I'm going to assume that your profit margins are healthy. So again, take that challenge if that's something that you want to work on. But let's also say that your birthday parties account for 30% of your revenue. Again, without getting into all the cost and profit calculations that we do in the challenge, um, that basically means that you need to make around $6,000 per month in parties to reach your goal. If each of your party brings in on average $500, and again, your profit margins are healthy, you'll need to do about 12 parties a month. And that's 144 parties a year. Even in the tiniest town, I'm sure that each of you can find enough parties to fill your calendar. Again, if you have your profit margins calculated correctly and if your pricing is correct with what you need to sustain your business with. We needed to do around 200 parties per year and maintain around 100 members as our two main sources of revenue in a given year, not only to break even, but to make enough to reinvest in our business and to pay me as an owner. And just a quick reminder, I like to set up our membership revenue to kind of offset our fixed cost. So I like our recurring revenue, i.e. memberships, to cover all of our fixed costs, like 
rent, those things that we can't change, those bills that come every single month that we have very little control over. So that's a little bit of background information about how I came up with that 100 uh, number um, in conjunction with our capacity and stuff like that. But again, I have tons of podcast episodes on memberships. And of course, we had other revenue streams, but those were the two main that we focused on again. Looking at these numbers and realizing that we were not a volume business, it made me feel so much more confident. And even with multiple new competitors, we were still able to hit those numbers without a struggle once we nailed our marketing strategy. You don't need to serve every single person in your community or be the one-stop shop in order to be successful, especially if you focus on big ticket and recurring revenue, like I just mentioned. So parties and memberships, it really puts the numbers in your favor when it comes to handling competition, because you don't need to serve 50 new customers a day. You just need to serve maybe 144 customers in that one area a year. All right. Number four, look for ways to collaborate. So once you've taken stock of the situation, consider reaching out to the customer or local uh, town member who expressed interest in opening a similar business. You may find that they're more open to collaboration than you initially thought. And hey, maybe they even will be interested in opening up a licensed location of your business, right? Maybe they want to take all of the guesswork out of the planning and opening process. And if you want more information about licensing and franchising, I will link those episodes in the show notes. And perhaps they're willing to work with you in some other way, whether it's through joint marketing efforts or sharing each other's unique services that are not in competition. You might be surprised by how much common ground you have and how your businesses may complement not compete with each other. So for example, we stopped offering kids night out, but a lot of our competitors offered it. So we kind of agreed like, Hey, if somebody comes to us and asks to do kids night out, we're going to refer them to you. And since we did mobile event rentals, but our competitors didn't, if somebody approached one of our competitors with a request to do a party at their home, they would refer them to our services. So there are ways to collaborate without having to be in direct competition. Now, having said all that, if the customer is still committed to opening their business and doesn't really want to collaborate, that's okay. But it's time to start differentiating yourself. So look for ways to stand out from the competition and provide your customers with an experience they won't find anywhere else. So consider investing in new equipment or amenities or hosting new special events or theme parties or offering classes or workshops. Focus on providing an experience that is unique, engaging, and memorable. Keep in mind what sets you apart from the competition. And just so you know, that will depend on your target audience, which is going to be unique from your competition as well. So engage your members and your best customers and make sure you're making decisions not based on fear, but based on what who you're meant to serve. Because again, it will not be everyone and it doesn't have to be. Another way to differentiate yourself is to focus on customer service. 
So provide your customers with exceptional service and they'll be more likely to return and recommend your facility to others. So make sure you do a retraining and a reminder for your staff to be friendly, knowledgeable, and attentive to the needs of your customers. Take time to engage with your customers as the owner, whether it's through social media, 